each one again this morning and good looking crowd, a beautiful day the Lord has blessed us with and uh, always thankful for that and glad for each one. It's a uh, it's, I guess it's a two-fold thing to have a church full of kids. Um, it's a blessing, but the only thing is when all of them leave to get on stairs, it's almost like the church is half empty now. So it's like, man, where'd everybody go? Um, turn with you to the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. This has nothing to do with Greg's request. Um, this is just simply the order that we've come to. As you all know, I've been preaching through the book of James the last two or three months. We have come to the end. Uh, this is the last few verses in this book. And uh, James chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, this is where we left off. It's kind of a, some people break it after verse 11, some people break it after verse 12. Uh, I felt laying and like that 12 was a good place to break between 12 and 13 to break subjects. Um, doesn't really change much. It's still the same subject, but uh, it's hard to preach a whole chapter in one setting. And also, let me say this as I get started. I'm going to try to explain a few things here as I get going this morning. But um, I will take my time here just for a little bit. Um, there's not. There's a few verses in the Bible that are extremely controversial. This is one of them. Uh, some of the other ones, as you all know, the subject of speaking in tongues, extremely controversial. Uh, you can preach at some places, it'll go over fine. Some places it won't. There's other subjects in the Bible that uh, is very controversial and in, in, in different way, in interpreted different ways. This is one of these passages. But I'm not going to shy away from a passage because of that or from the truth. Uh, I have studied this more this past week than I ever have in my life. Looked at this, and the deeper I looked at it, almost the more confused I got. But um, nevertheless, but uh, James chapter five verse thirteen. Is everybody there? The Bible says, "Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you?" Notice he's asking these in questions. These are question forms. Now in verse 14, some people say that is more of a statement than a question. In other words, he's saying there is sick among you. Uh, and we know other places in the Bible that it, even though it looks that way, when you put it in context and read it for what it is, it is more of a statement than a question. Some say that that is the case here in verse 14. But let me say this. Uh, you all have heard me say this before. I do not and I will not criticize the King James Bible. Um, it is not inspired in a sense like the original letters were. Don't ever get caught up in that. Though. We do not have the original manuscripts. If we had those, do you realize how we'd praise those things? I mean, it would be unbelievable. And we don't have them, uh, and I'll be quite honest with you, I don't think anybody else has got them either. Um, but here, we see it in question form. This is how God led the translators to write this. And, and so, uh, in any sense, he said, Is any uh, uh, sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let, every, let them pray. Uh, let me start over, I can't read now. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. 
Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that he may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I have preached messages on that one sentence. <laughs> much less all of this. Verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together. God, I thank you for the privilege and the blessing and the honor that we have to be able to come to church and to worship openly and freely and call on you. God, throughout the world right now, as it's been mentioned more than once this morning, Lord, there's people, uh, God, that would like to have met like this in church, and they can't do it. God, I thank you that we live in a country that is still free. Lord, our rights have been stripped from us. Christians in this country are starting to be persecuted, but God, I know as long as the world stands, Lord, we have not seen anything to probably what's ahead of us. But God, I thank you that no matter what is ahead of us, you're already there. And Father, I praise you that God, ultimately, you are in control. And this morning, Lord, I need you, God, to preach to me as you see fit. Holy Spirit, I'm not anything without you. I never want to be, I never want to try to be. And I need you this morning. If I go to say anything that is contrary to your word or contrary to your likeness or contrary to what you want me to say, then you stop me. Lord, I pray this morning that you guide my words and my thoughts. That everything in order as you see fit. God, touch the hearts of each one that are here or someone that may be watching or listening by some other means. I never want to guide people wrong, God, in everything that I preach. I want it to be as closely uh, accurate to your word as I humanly and my mind will allow me to be. And I thank you and I praise you. In Lord Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, I want you to turn back to James chapter 1 for just a minute. As I said, we're, we're, I'm going to kind of go slow here just for a minute. And I want to try to explain some things. I want you to grasp some things this morning, if at all possible. And most of you may not remember this, and it's okay. Let me strongly encourage you. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to beg you. Uh, hopefully you're reading Proverbs throughout the day of October. As we mentioned, uh, there's one proverb, there's 31 Proverbs. Uh, why is there 31 Proverbs? How many months is, days is in a month? Uh, see how simple that is? Uh, I pray that you're doing that. And let me beg you, encourage you, please go back and read the book of James after this morning, after I finish preaching this, because a lot of what I preached will, will come back to you. It'll make sense to you. It'll help you retain it. And hopefully it'll... Uh, God will be able to use it for his glory. James chapter 1 verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, greetings. So who's he writing this letter to? The 12 tribes. He's writing it to Jews. Who were the 12 tribes? Most of you hopefully remember they were the children of Israel. Is also his name. That is correct. Uh, he has 12 sons. Uh, there's some controversy on a couple of those 12 tribes there. Uh, 12, 12, 12. Uh, 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 Emma Fudd. Uh, 12 tribes uh, on who they were named after. But anyway, uh, so they were scattered abroad. And verse 2 says, My brethren counted all joy when he fallen into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And I'm going to stop there. 
So he tells us that we're going to have temptations. He tells us we're going to have trials. He goes on to tell us here in chapter 1, if you like wisdom, let him ask of wisdom. And that doesn't mean wisdom in general to know how to put two wires together and make it produce electricity. Uh, that's intelligence. That's learned knowledge. Wisdom here is in learning about the Bible, interpreting the Bible, knowing what God wants you to know and understanding what he wants you to see and know. That is the wisdom he's talking about. And I don't understand a lot of the trials that I go through. I don't understand a lot of the trials that you go through. But sometimes I've got to ask God for wisdom to know how to respond to those. And throughout the book of James, he's got a theme that he covers. And here, as you see, most letters that people write, they usually start out with the topic and usually when they bring it to an end, they go back to that topic and wrap it all up together. And I believe that's what he's doing here in his chapter 5. If you notice the first part of chapter 5, he talk, if you remember, he talks about rich men, how they take advantage of people, how they abuse people, how they do them wrong to get what they want. And he goes on then talking about those that are poor and how they continue to do right and, and how that they need to continue to do so. And he says, God will avenge you. God will deliver you. Just wait, just calm down, hold your horses, whatever country phrase you want to put there, but God will show up and be on the scene for you. And here he brings it down then a little further. Now one thing James discusses throughout his book is sin. He don't, he don't shy away from that. So here we've got, again, a controversial section of the Bible. Now we know there's no doubt that prayer works. And I need a piece of paper that I left laying over here. Just for a quick little reminder, because my mind don't work like it used to. Neither does my body. Um... And we know that, that prayer works. We, there's no arguing against that. I believe in prayer. You've heard me preach prayer since I've been here. I've got probably 15, 18 books on prayer and probably will be more bought in the future. Uh, I just, I believe in prayer. The Bible teaches prayer. The Bible discusses prayer. The Bible encourages prayer. And I think we should all be praying people. The one thing they cannot ever take from you is prayer. They've been people locked up. They've had their Bibles taken away. They've had everything taken away, but they could not take prayer from them. And we see that. And there's miracles being wrought by it. There's been great things uh, come along by prayer. It is the most powerful thing I feel like we have on earth is prayer. To call on a God of the universe that created everything from nothing that what he says goes, <laughs> period. But sometimes... When prayer doesn't work, we want to know why. We look for reasons. We try to explain them. This verse is one of those places that is often confusing in this area. And we turn this verse when we feel like we really need God's help and attention. This morning, Brother Greg said, I've, and I thought, wow, what are the odds of this? Uh, he said, I need to be anointed and prayed for. I've been having problems. I've got physical problems. I need help. I want God to touch me. And so I believe in that practice. But here in a little bit, I'm going to interpret this the best of my ability and I'm going to bust your bubble a little bit. Get busted in my... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now again, as I said, remember how this book starts out. I just read it to you. Remember the themes throughout this book. He talks about trials. He talks about getting wisdom for him. He talks about the words that you speak. Remember, he's the one that said the tongue, a little member. 
He said, we bridle the, the horse's mouths. We control ships, but we cannot control the tongue. You think about some of the greatest forest fires that's been in this country the last 10 years, and you think the Bible compares that to our tongue. It's a pretty powerful thing when you think about it. And he also talks about our works and how that faith proves our works and our works prove our faith and prayer. Now clearly not everyone we pray for is going to be healed. And again, that's where some of the controversy comes from in this. There are a few interpretations to this passage. But one thing's for sure, if you want to see any change, you're going to have to pray. If you don't pray, then why should you expect God to do something? Uh, if you want to move your vehicle from point A to point B, B, you must put it in drive and mash the gas. So prayer is putting it in drive and mashing the gas, saying, God, we need your help. Now this morning, one thing I want to point out to you as we get started is that if we do hope for anything, we must pray. So we have a call to pray. That's what I title this, a call to pray. Prayers mentioned in these verses I just read through you, 13 uh, down to the end here, every one of these verses it is mentioned here dealing with prayer and with something that will help. Now one thing that the Catholics has done is they have taken this verse and they have used it to uh, basis for sacrament in extreme unction is what it's called. Uh, It it is a a function that started around uh, 852 AD and they started using this and they would call now on the priest to come when someone is dying to anoint them with oil, pray over them, and to try to give them strength for the days ahead and to help them through the uh, purgatory that they're getting ready to go through. By the way, purgatory is not in the Bible. So, so that's one misinterpretation, a big one. But here we go through this, and I want to point out some things with God's help. I'll try to get through this, and I don't mean to ramble, but I just needed to try to lay a little bit of a foundation there before we get started. And let me say, there is no way in this time frame can I cover everything that probably needs to be covered in these verses um, with this subject. I could probably preach for the next two months on these verses and still not cover it. But I'm going to give you what I believe is the interpretation to the best of my ability and try to instruct you and help you this morning in what the Bible is teaching. Now verse 13, he says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. So number one, prayer is required. He just said, if you're you're afflicted, uh, pray. If you're merry, sing. Well, I'd say it's safe to say that every one of us goes through some kind of affliction. Affliction here basically just means trials. It means trouble. It could be mental. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could be physical. But affliction is when something or somebody is afflicting you. And we all have an affliction of some kind. He says to pray. Why do we pray? To ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Sometimes afflictions come because God is trying to break our will, trying to show us something and get us to a place that we don't want to go. And so he sends an affliction to bring us down just a little bit so we'll call on him just a little bit more. If we don't ask him, then how's he supposed to talk to us? Prayer is a two-way conversation, by the way. It is not a one-way thing. If you'll hush and listen every now and then, God will speak back to you in prayer. If you'll spend some time in prayer, God will talk to you. Holy Spirit will answer you. He has me. 
They've been a couple times in prayers that I haven't very often. I actually heard an audible voice. I've turned around like who in the world's talking to me? Was, it, was I crazy? No. Was I sober? Yes. But God will speak to us in our hearts in prayerful listen. So we have a command, a requirement to pray. If you're happy and you're not under affliction, then you need to sing some songs and try to make somebody else happy. The word Mary here means joy and inner peace that the world cannot give. There's something that Jesus will give you that this world, no drug, no alcohol, no act, no performance, nothing else will ever bring you. No person can bring you. Your spouse can't give you. Your children can't give you. Your parents can't give you. Only God Almighty can give you the merry joy that he's talking about right here. Let him sing psalms. Say, I don't know any psalms. Start reading them. Verse 14. This is where it gets fun. He says, Any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that he may be healed. The effectual, fervent, prayer righteous man availeth much. And again, I could preach each sentence for a long time. So number two, number one, we've got prayers required. <clears throat> number two, prayers requested. Here the sick is encouraged to ask for prayer. If you notice in verse 13, he's telling the individual to pray. Here he's saying you need to ask for prayer from someone else. Notice what James did not do. He didn't say call for the current popular faith healer. He didn't say call for the apostles who had the ability to heal. He didn't say holler for Apostle Peter to come by and his shadow may heal you. He didn't do that. Because this verse is for today. It's relevant for today. Let me tell you, the gifts of the apostolic age ended with Israel, with the Jews, because the Jews require a sign. That is why they were given. I don't believe in faith healers today. I'm sorry if you disagree with me. Give me a minute and I'll help you understand why I don't believe in them. I do believe in healing. I do believe in miraculous healing. I do not believe any one person has the power to go around and touch people and they be healed at their command. That's not biblical. If they did, then they have a direct access with God that no one else has. Let me explain to you what I mean. And just hold on a minute. We're going to get through this message, but we're going to take a long way to get there here for a moment. When I pray for somebody, no matter what, the, what it is, I have learned the hard way that when I end my prayer, if those of you that's heard me pray and I have preached this and taught this, I often say, Lord, we trust you no matter the outcome. I don't know if God's going to heal them or not and neither do you. If, if this verse that I, verses I just read to you is not a blank check written from God for you and I to sign anytime we want to cash it. If it was, let me give you some examples. And I don't want to hurt nobody on earth. Your dad would be alive today because I would have written that check for him. 
your dad would be alive today because I'd have written that check for him. If I had that ability, if this verse meant that every time somebody was sick, we anointed them with oil in the practice that we use it as, and they were healed, no one would die. At least if they were filled with the church. And I'd say everybody would be filled with the church if that was the case. Brother, we'd be having a building routine going on then, wouldn't we? A program happening then. But it's not that way. So then, preacher, what does this mean? Why is it in here? Well, I'm glad you're thinking and you're asking because I'm going to do my best with God's ability and help to explain it to you. Let's look at the verses again. Let's keep some things in mind. All through the Bible, there's a theme, certain themes, and James does not deviate from that theme. There's one thing I have told you guys over and over while preaching this book, and you must remember it again. James is a very Jewish book. It has Jewish themes. Who did he write it to? You remember when I read that to you a few moments ago? To the 12 tribes scattered abroad. But the reason that it applies to you and I is God saw to it to put it in the Bible for you and I to be applied to us with a Jewish theme and it means as much to us as it did them. But you must keep it in its context to understand it properly. Remember what I have said over and over. Context is everything and context is king. I haven't lost you yet, have I? Okay, I hope I'm making sense. All right. (laughs) Now, I have read two different, three different meanings for the word sick here. The best that I can get from the Greek is it means to be weak, feeble, or diseased. Some say it means mental, emotional, and spiritual. And it's just been run down or you just need spiritual uplifting, spiritual help, uh, sin has got a hold of you or something. And I suppose all of those fit. Any of them can fit. I also want to read this to you again and I want you to listen. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. There's controversy on who the elders are. See, everything about this verse is controversial. A lot of people say the elders are the preachers or the deacons of the church. That is traditionally what the Baptist church and most churches consider the elders. Some people say it is just older, wiser, spiritually devoted Christians. Well, I can't really look at you and see how devoted and spiritual you are, so I kind of stick with the preachers and deacons. If they're not spiritual and wise, then that's their fault. And by the way, it's your fault too. Don't just look at us. So he goes on to say, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In modern times, we do not need oil like they did in Bible times. Yesterday, I had a headache. I took a a package of Tylenol that had two in it. I ripped that baby open, popped them down my throat, followed up with a bottle of water, and a little while later, my headache was gone. In Bible times, they didn't have Tylenol. Or goodies, headache powders, praise God. So oil was often used for medicinal purposes. So what he is teaching, and what one thing they would practice and do, we are not going to do this, I promise you, is they would massage people with oil all over to try to help them heal. We are not going to do that. 
as long as I'm pastor. And most of you probably going here today, I'd say would agree with me on that. So we will continue the current practice of putting a little bit of oil on your forehead. I, sometimes I'll do it in the shape of a cross. So does it matter? I don't know. I'm doing the best I can. And so there were practices that was taking place in that you must put in the context of what James is telling us. Let's read on. He said in verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So oil is always in the New Testament also a picture of... Let's try that again. Hopefully a few more of you will get it right. Oil in the Bible is always a picture of Holy Spirit. When the priest was anointed in the Old Testament, what did they put on him? Oil. It was a symbolic semblance of Holy Spirit. So, he's involved in everything we do. So the, but the prayer of faith shall save the sick. What does the word save here in preacher? Does that mean salvation? Or does that mean his life? I won't let y'all think about that for a minute. Means means his life. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he notice this, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. The word faults here could be interpreted or traced back to the simple word of sin. Same meaning. One to another. And pray one for another that he may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, <laughs> is everybody still with me? Have I made you mad yet? Well, I gotta try harder. Um, but he, here, let me explain this to you. Taking in context of everything James has covered, I personally believe the proper interpretation of this verse is people who have committed sins and that is the reason why they are sick. Now, don't get mad at me. Okay, it can just as easily be interpreted for someone who is sick and needs help to say, I've not committed no sin that I know of that's causing me sick, but I need God's help. Let me say this. I believe in its context. I do believe it very well could be that James is saying, if you read the book as a whole, keep it in his flow of writing, it very well could be those who have sinned and because of that, they're sick. Let me take you to another fine letter that Apostle Paul wrote. Has anybody ever heard of the Corinthian church? We got first and second Corinthians. Do you know why the Bible said that one of the problems they had in that church, a lot of them was dying because of? Do you know in that book it also said that thousands of Jews fell in one day because of? Do you also know the Bible teaches us that God will send you to an early grave because of? You see a theme? It's there. I'm not saying 
for you to come up front and say, I want to be anointed with oil means that you've committed some kind of great big sin. Means that you're practicing a sin. I certainly hope you're not. Because let me go ahead and tell you, if you are, go and keep your seat. Unless you're willing to confess it right then. You don't have to get in front of the church necessarily, although I think we should do that sometimes. The other thing that was practiced back then that's not now, and I struggle with this, I really do, is church discipline. I struggle sometimes with not practicing it like we probably should. Have I still got you? Are you mad at me? Are you disappointed in what I'm preaching to you? (laughs) I still believe that it's the prayer of faith that heals because the Bible just said that. Now, I also believe in anointing with oil and praying for people. Let me give you a couple examples and I'm trying to, (laughs) Lord help me. I have personally have witnessed two different occasions more than that, but I'm going to tell you about two occasions that I have watched people be healed on the spot by this. One time a lady I went to church with, she had a crippling disease, she inherited it from her dad. In her 20s, her stomach was already destroyed from the pain medicine that the doctors prescribed her because that is the only treatment for this disease. It is a crippling disease. Her dad is a full-blown drug addict because of it. And she said, God, I've got a child to raise, I've got a husband to take care of, I need healing. She came to the front of that church. She asked us to anoint her and pray for her. I don't think it was anybody in particular, but I'm telling you, on the spot, she was healed. Did lightning clash? No. Did the lights flash? No. Did anything happen? No. We prayed. She went back down to sit down, and she's never took a pain pill for it since. She was healed on the spot. I watched it happen. I was there. Pastor Jackie's wife, Margot. She was sick. She had some kind of bladder disease that was crippling her. It was basically killing her. She was going to Cleveland Clinic for it. No, that was, that was before. That was, she got a heal of that too. This was another time. This, her kidneys were shutting down, not functioning. She, she was in severe pain. And we went to her house. I was getting ready to go back to Cleveland Clinic the next day. And someone in our church stood up and said, can we anoint Margot and pray for her? I said, certainly. So we went to the house. There were four or five of us there. And and we knelt down, knowing her and prayed for her. Within an hour, she was up washing dishes and running the vacuum cleaner. Before that, she could barely move. So, a preacher, why did God heal them? I don't know. There's the brilliant answer that's so spirit-filled. Why didn't he heal these other people? Guess what? I don't know. And neither do you. You see, sometimes it is simply God's will that things happen to people or He allows it to happen. You say, why? Because it's called life. And guess what? Two people made out of life alive. That's it. Possibly three. You say, what do you mean three? We don't really know what happened to Moses. We don't. All I know is Satan wanted his body So he had to die if he left that body. But we really don't know what happened to him. And we have here a verse to grab onto and say, God, I need your help 
and I'm grabbing onto you with everything that I can. And that is why I believe in anointing people with oil and praying over them when they request it. It does not tell me, the Bible does not tell me to come to Jimmy and say, Jimmy, you're sick. I'm going to anoint you with oil and prayer for you. It didn't say that, did it? It said, if you're afflicted, let him pray. It didn't even say anything about him asking anybody else to pray for him. It said, let him pray. Man, I've got to hurry. But here it says, if, you're, if they any among you sick, let them. I know it says him, but it, 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 it covers girls too. Let him call on the elders of the church. Let me encourage you to do something. Whatever it is in your life that's not right, why don't you try to find you a quiet place, even if all you can do is in your vehicle for five minutes at a time. Find you somewhere at night. Find whatever quiet place you've got to find and get along with God for a few minutes and say, God, I need to hear from you. You may not hear from him the first prayer. You may not hear from him the second prayer. But I'll guarantee you, if you'll show God you're serious and you stick with that, you will hear from him. You say, Lord, do I need to ask the church to anoint me and pray for me? Ask him if he wants you to. If you do it by his leadership, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hear from him. You say, will I be healed? I don't know. But I can tell you this, five seconds in the presence and the power of God is worth the five years of anything you can go through. I'll tell you that. I don't like some of the things that happens in my life. I don't like some of the afflictions I've got. But I've got them. And there's times I've got to ask people to help me pray. The only thing I will not anoint people for is things that is not biblical. And I will give you an example and I'm going to move on. I'm going to mention a couple more things about this and we'll move on. So we have a a requirement to pray. We have a request to pray. There was a time when two ladies came to a service. They looked at the preacher and said, we want you to anoint us. He said, why? He said, I want her to have my ability to give to sing. That's not biblical. There's nothing biblical about that. That's nothing more than some kind of harebrained tradition that they learned up some holler somewhere. Don't practice stuff like that. The Bible says if you're sick, if you're afflicted, that's it. That's enough. <laughs> so we don't, we don't need to add to it. We got enough to deal with already. So l- l- let me get back here just for a minute and, and I'll try to... I'm going to give you some examples of some people real quick about praying. Uh, he says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man of Belleth that means hot, emotional uh, James was nicknamed Camel Knees. His knees were so callous because he spent so much time in prayer. This was Jesus' brother. I'd say if anybody had a, a pretty good shot at getting to the throne, I'd say he did. But he knew it took time. He knew it took prayer. He knew he was just as human as you and I. There was a man named Pray and Hide. His heart had actually moved in his cavity of his body because he had agonized with God so much through the years. Medically, they've shown it. It was proven. James Knox, you've heard me mention this before, the Queen of England said she feared, the Queen of Scotland said she feared the prayers more of James Knox than the entire armies of England. I wonder how often when we wake up, I wonder if Satan says they're awake. I wonder if anybody fears our prayers. 
it could be one reason why we don't see more people healed or things happen. You know, it's not, not forcing God's hand to do something. God's willing to do it. We've got to tap into the power and make our will His will, and that is when He'll listen. And it is God's will that all men should pray. That's a good answer. It ain't what I was looking for, but uh, die. We're all going to die. How is you going to get to heaven? <laughs> There's only one way to get there until the rapture takes place, and that's to take your last breath. So if this was a blank check, you say, Preacher, why does not everybody get healed? Because it's not God's will. It's a once appointed all men to die. That is why. If this was a blank check, everybody I knew and loved would still be alive. How many other people would write that check? Man, I'd cash that thing all the time, wouldn't you? This thing would be a... We'd have an assembly line going here if this was a blank check. It's not. And I believe the key, I believe the key, period, is you need a clean heart when you come before God for one of these requests. You say, oh, it's clean. Have you checked it? Have you went to your prayer closet and asked Holy Spirit to show you things that are there? Hmm. Again, James didn't call on the faith healers. He didn't call on the elders. I mean, he called on the elders. He didn't call on the apostles. He called on the elders because this verse is alive today the same as it was then. All right. Verse 17. Let me, let me back up here just for a second. Let me say one more thing and I'll move on. In verse 16, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that he may be healed. Let me tell you something. You be the kind of Christian that people can come to you and confess something to you and you don't go blabbing about them or look down on them. You're just as guilty of something else. It may not be their sin. It may not be their struggles, but trust me, if you want to, we'll start pointing each other's out. Y'all can spare me the same as I can spare you. Don't look, when somebody confesses something and tells you, it stops. And I'll tell you, be honest with you, probably wouldn't hurt for you to share a little something with them. And pray for each other, help each other. Be what brothers and sisters in Christ are supposed to be. Let's not be a boxing match. All right, let me hurry on and I'll, I'll be done in a few minutes. Verse 17 says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's the same as you and I. And he prayed that. Could you imagine if you and I got serious enough with God that we would pray that and it not rain in the U.S. for three years? Uh, and the president, somehow, don't worry, God will let it be known that you're the one that prayed, and the federal government called you and said, would you please pray? Not until I'm good and ready. How about you straighten up and act like you've got some sense? Hmm. Anyway, verse 18, he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Do you know why he prayed that? Because he was trying to get the people to straighten up and turn to God. So number three, we got prayer has a response. It has a requirement. It's required. It's got a request. A response. You pray and earnestly pray with the prayer of faith and God will respond. Do you know where Elijah is not mentioned in the Bible? Hebrews chapter 11. Did you ever think about that? He's not there. 
I don't know if he was a man of faith or not because he ain't mentioned there. But I'll tell you one thing Elijah was. Elijah was a man of prayer. He prayed. It said he earnestly prayed. When's the last time you and I have earnestly prayed? You know what I'd like to see one service? Maybe this evening, I don't know. We've been meeting here at 5.30 and praying. I believe it's helped. I encourage you to do that if at all possible. I like to see God fall in his place one evening and we're praying and we pray for two hours. That would be our service. You say, well, that wouldn't be a church service. Have you ever been in prayer like that? You ain't never been in the presence of God like that till you have. Let me assure you. Let me encourage you. You need to find that. If you've never experienced that, friends, you're missing out. You don't know what the presence of power of God is. Not that I've went there myself. It took others to get me there. I ain't got that in me. I do, but not alone, hardly. I'm not even better than anybody else. I'm just simply trying to share something with you. It takes a great determination for this kind of prayer, and God will respond. Verse 19 says, Brethren, if any do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Again, this has also got some controversy to it. So number one, prayer is required. Number two, it's requested. Number three, it has a response. Number four, it has repentance. If you're going to have any kind of prayer life, you've got to have a repentant prayer life. You can't have unrepentant sin in your life. And let me tell you something. You can't shake hands with this world. You're going to let this world go. You say, well, I like doing this. I like going there. I like doing that. I wonder what God thinks. Your flesh probably does. You know what my flesh likes? I'm trying to be nice. My flesh likes the thoughts of not having Sunday evening and Wednesday evening church. It does. I like the thoughts of that. You know why? Because I get to sit home and kick back and relax. This flesh wants that. And I'll be honest with you, this flesh really wants to lay in bed on Sunday morning. It definitely wants to do that. And I don't mean till 9 o'clock either. I can sleep till 10.30 if nobody bothers me. You know why I, why I know? Because I proved it Saturday. And I think I laid there for another 30 minutes before I finally rolled out of bed. When I say I'm not a morning person, I'm not joking. I'm not. My spirit sure suffers. I'll tell you that. And if I expect to hear, have God hear my real request, it's going to take more than laying me down to sleep prayer and half-heartedly throwing my best shot at this thing. It's going to take direct determination. And I'm going to have to be dedicated to God and quit shaking hands with this world. Quit going places. I have no business. Go on, let me ask you something. I know there's any more. I will say this. It broke my heart that Cracker Barrel started serving alcohol. I thought, man, we, we're just about out of places to go that don't serve alcohol. I like sometimes to go somewhere and sit down. I ain't got to worry about it. I go places that do because I don't have a whole lot of choice. Sometimes it's nice to go somewhere where it's not there. But if you're going places where it is consumed openly and freely, I question if you ought to be there. You think God's happy about it? Let me ask you something. Could you invite somebody to church at that location and not feel embarrassed? Them look at you and so, say, what are you doing here? 
then don't expect God to answer these prayers that you got that you expect the rain to stop for three years. And neither should I. Especially when we need a miraculous healing that only God can bring. You see, what these last two verses is saying, what I personally believe, some believes it's talking about uh, what I'm going to call a fake Christian, <laughs> somebody that comes and chest sits, sits on a church pew, they profess, but they don't possess. And our churches are full of them. Billy Graham said if he had it to whoever with, he wouldn't have had the crusades. He said, I messed up. I missed it. He said, I would have spent my time preaching revivals in churches because they're full of lost people. Think about that for a minute. So if you see a brother or sister in an era, is what this is saying, you have the chance to help them in a loving way, in an encouraging way, not a judgmental, me beat you over the head of the Bible kind of way. The church is the world's worst to shoot its own. You help them, it says you cover a multitude of sins. What does it mean by that? Well, number one, you possibly stop them from dying. Let's go back to the verses we just read. Is any sick among you? Let him call him the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil. The prayer of faith may heal him. If he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. He didn't change, sub he didn't change subjects. He's still on the same subject. He didn't start writing a new letter. Because those sins now, that habitual sin is stopped. And that person is now right with God. And you may have even helped yourself. You can sometimes realize the effects of sin in someone's life when you look, not in a judgmental kind of way, but say, you know what, if sin is hurting them, it'll hurt me. It's going to hurt me just as bad as it's going to hurt you and vice versa. The pain of sin is never going to change. It's not going away. I'm almost finished. So, I hope, <laughs> I hope that I've helped you somehow, some way this morning to understand a little more what the Bible's teaching here. I'll be honest with you. As I really started digging in this and reading commentaries and looking at the meaning of the words and trying to get a grasp on what it was saying, the more I studied, the more almost confused I got. There are some scriptures in the Bible that we will not have the full understanding of because we don't have it in our finite minds. It is beyond what we can comprehend. And I'll tell you another thing. Some things God just doesn't tell us. Now, let me back up here. Scripture can only have how many interpretations? One. But it can have how many applications? Hundreds. Multiple. Whatever word you want to put there. I do believe the interpretation of this Scripture. I do believe he is talking about people who has committed sins and has caused them to be sick. Do I believe in people coming forth and saying I need to be anointed and prayed for? You better believe it because I just practiced it a while ago. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't have done it. But I'll tell you this. If, when you do that, I believe you need to be led of God to do it. I'm not saying you were or weren't. wasn't. He had no clue what I was going to preach. And again, I thought, what are the odds of this? I want to help you. 
because I love you. And I'm going to preach to you the truth, whether it hurts me or whether it hurts you, to the best of my ability, what I believe the Bible says. Do you know what? It hurts me just as much as it does you. But this morning, we are called to pray. The Bible here gives us a command to pray and tells us to pray. It tells us to rejoice. And you and I, if we would learn to pray more when affliction comes and rejoice in affliction and in the good times and the bad times, the problem may not go away. The disease may not be healed. The loved one may not get any better. But I can tell you this, your heart will sure be a lot more merrier over it. You'll sleep at night. You'll say, why would I want to sleep when they're sitting there dying? Well, certain laying there awake and getting more tired and grouchy and hateful ain't going to help. You dying with them ain't going to help. How about if God's trying to say, I'll save somebody or I'll get glory from this if you'll just trust me. If you'll just trust me. So in the end, you and I must pray. And I'm going to tell you, I can give you lots of things that stops prayer. I'm going to give you two this morning. I believe these are two big ones. Number one, I'm going to give you all a guess at it. We've been talking a lot about this morning. Sin. If there's sin, you're not going to have a good prayer life. You can forget it. Number two is lack of faith. If you don't trust him. If I went to my dad and said, Dad, I need $20. If I didn't think he'd give it to me, I wouldn't bother going to him. Let me ask you this too. And I mentioned this last week. When's the last time you ever just went to God and said, God, I don't want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you for saving me and loving me. And let it go at that. Father, we thank you again for this time together. Oh, Lord, I pray that what I have preached this morning was accurate. It was truthful. God, it was from your word. I, I, I've done my best. Certainly, God, we could just as easily interpret this as though people that are sick. God, no sin involved is simply sick and say, God, that uh, if they're sin there, it will be forgiven. And God, I, I, that certainly doesn't do the scripture injustice. Lord, I pray today that you take this message and you use it as you see fit that you do with it what only you can. God, I, I want you to know that the very next person that comes to me and said I'm sick and I need to be anointed and prayed for, God, I'll gladly and wholeheartedly anoint them and pray for them. And God, I'm going to do it with expectations that you're going to move. God, I'm going to believe that you're going to heal them and touch them. God, I still believe that Greg is going to get help of some kind. God, from this request this morning, we've seen other people get it, God, and I... God, I guess there have been times that I haven't seen people get any help. It's not no one person's fault. It's not because somebody didn't have faith or this or that. God, sometimes it's just simply the way it is. Sometimes it's just your will for it to be that way. Sore, but we still got to trust you. Still got to trust you. And we thank you this morning, God. Touch hearts as you see fit. In Jesus' your name we pray. Amen.